Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. The Blue White Breakdown is underway again. Bo Flo is, we don't know where he is. He's drinking Coors Light someplace, God knows. Uh, but he deserves a vacation once in a while. And so we got some heavy hitters. This The last week we had Brett McMurphy. This week, Mr. Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports. And what a week to have him. I mean, in so many ways. This has uh, been a hell of a couple of weeks for expansion. But before we get to that, <laughs> could you believe in – you play some golf, right? Do you play? Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not good. I play, but – I'm one of those guys who likes to watch it and listen yeah. to play-by-play on the radio. So, yeah. Wait a minute. You listen listen to radio play-by-play golf? I, on, on the majors, yeah. Who I'm does that? that? Guy. Is that Jack Buck still? No, Is that Jack not. Buck and Hank Stram? No. No, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last time I remember anything on the radio. Weren't they great on Monday Night Football? They were the best. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and Stram would always predict the plays before they happened. Yeah, let's find something right here, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do that again. Do that again. <laughs> let's find something right here, Jack. And it would be. There. <laughs> It'd be a toss sweep. He, he knew and, it, and then he'd get it, and then and then Buck would say, "You got it again, partner." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you are a Cardinals great. fan, right? Not a Royals. I grew fan. up in St. Louis. I know all about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you Cardinals fan? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, not right. not lately, but that's another story. Well, <laughs> oh, you're a front runner, are you? I see. Well, okay. I I don't. It's not uh, that works. I, my summer is open. Let me put it that way. In terms oh, please. Of, uh, Hey, you got to hang with them when they suck. And right now, I can't remember the Cardinals sucking like this. No, it's been a long I got to hang with me, you know, right now. Oh, They've wow. done everything wrong. But anyway. <laughs> All right. The the Live PGA merger, did that shock you, stun you? And what do you think the ramifications are down the road? Yeah, it shocked me. Uh, I think it's the biggest sports story of the year to date. Mm-hmm. And just be, you know, the moral implications, the ethical implications. And if I was to write a column, and I'm not because I don't cover golf, but I thought about it for a day, it would come down to this. The Saudis own pro golf. Okay, whatever that, yeah, whatever that means going forward. These guys, when, when they want something, they do things to extreme. They pay $200 million for Phil. They paid $400 million for some of these European soccer stars to get in there. They own Newcastle soccer team. Uh, when uh, Khashoggi's voice became too loud, they allegedly murdered him. What, what's, what's the next step? Uh, Mike Tirico kind of uh, casually said on NBC yesterday, what if uh, the Saudis decide to have an NIL arm in, uh, in college golf? I think it goes way much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Potentially, I'm not saying the Saudis would get involved in college athletics. I think what it opens up to think about is corporate involvement beyond sponsorship. 
And decisions was, being made behind the scenes by some really unsavory characters. You think pro sports has been bad before, just oh, wait a while. Yeah. This is just a concept. I'm not talking about the Saudis. Uh, corporate involvement in college sports because they, you know, they keep, oh, they spend every dime they put out. Okay, what's to keep somebody of means from, say, uh, making uh, the Big Ten a line item in a hedge fund? So, and, I, and again, I'm talking way, way off into outer space. But when that happened yesterday, that's the first thing I thought of because I think it's headed that way. Somebody's going to have to pay those players. And maybe that TV revenue isn't enough because I'm, look, I'm way past discussing uh, Congress or anything else. I think you and I agree that, that, that we're headed towards this model. So, you know, we'll see. Reeling back into golf, Mohammed bin Salman is yeah. is just a, a murderous monarch. I mean, right. I don't even know. <laughs> He's a prince. He's the de facto leader of Saudi Arabia. Uh, our intelligence organizations are pretty certain that he executed and hacked into pieces with a bone saw, a Washington Post reporter, yep. uh, for dissent. This is the kind of guy he is. We know about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. These people now have, they're in charge of the endorsement capabilities of the PGA Tour. That's part of his ballywig now. I mean, yeah. that's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. And they better get used to it. You know, I, I don't think the discussion is about how to penalize Phil and Brooks and all these other guys. It, it's, a, you know, are we going to wake up someday and, and the son, the 14 year old son of the prince is a pretty good golfer and he gets a sponsor's exemption to the masters or something, you know, and, and all of a sudden it's, it's just a joke um, well, because that's the way these people operate. Like I said, up front, they do things to extremes and sports washing. Yes, it's sports washing. They're trying to get their way in not only to sports, but to become, you know, ethical washing. I don't know, to be, become corporate citizens, which I, I, know, they, I have a hard time they, believing right now. They are willing to buy their way in with force yes. into anything. And there is the implicit threat of violence. Yeah. That's what they've done. Yeah. I have been retro watching um, Ozark because I hadn't seen it before. And our son is showing it to us. And I'm like right in the middle of it. It reminds me of Marty Bird going to work for the Navarro cartel. I mean, yeah. that is essentially who's running the PGA now. And people don't seem to grasp this. These yeah. are nasty, nasty people. And I get the feeling watching the coverage yesterday that the Saudis knew how this was going to play out before Liv was even formed. In other words, this might have been the play. You know, we'll get in court. The long play. Yeah. They they don't want they don't want to get the discovery. Neither do we, and we've got the leverage because we can buy them. So you know, what, however long that was going to last, and you can figure out everything else. But but you're right. I mean, this is one of their biggest plays. You know, uh, European soccer, English soccer is big, getting all those players. But this they own global golf, and someone just mentioned something on the radio that I. What are they going to do with the LPGA? Don't they deserve some of this? And considering their human rights uh, record with uh, with women, how is that going to work? Because sooner it's or later the they're going to speak out. I mean, it's, it's, not the single, well. it's the single most repressive regime yeah. to women on the planet. And it's almost like Jay Monahan did this deal on his own undercover, yeah. which suggests to me one of two things, and I'm, I'm probably going way off base here, but this is speculation and he's opened himself up to speculation. So, so be it. 
A, he got a little frightened at these people and they made him an offer he felt he couldn't refuse. Or B, he was in bed with them from the get-go and this was a long play for both of them. And that he agreed to this and he was almost play acting. Yeah, I I don't know which, but both of those are possible. Yeah, it's a heck of a play act to sit there on national television and and say, you know, you're never, you know, when was the last time you you were ashamed to be a member of the PGA? I mean, if he was play acting, that was a heck of a heck of a deal. Yeah, well, now and we'll see where that goes. Uh, But you're pretty much an expert on the Big 12 and there's a lot popping there, too. Uh, You (laughs) grew up in St. Louis, but you've always lived in Kansas City since then, right? Yeah, since 81. Yep. That's a long time. Yeah. So you're right in the middle of Big 12, Big 8 country. And what are we going to The hang up, as I understand it, is that the Pac-12 still hasn't announced a media rights deal uh, worth what, what, because the, the Big 12 needs to know what they're going to deal with before they start making offers to, to Pac-12 teams. Yeah. What are we looking at? Is there rumors that there's going to be announcement on Friday now for the Pac-12? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, no. Dave, we've been hearing this since last August. <laughs> I know. And I know they had the exclusive negotiating window, <laughs> and I've written all this. Then it was January 1st. Then since January 1st, it's been like, ah, oh, two weeks, two weeks, three weeks, two weeks. It's like putting off rent you owe. Yeah, no. I mean, they're today. like today, there's an executive session in, of the Colorado trustees, and we're recording this on Wednesday, where they're going to discuss expansion. But I wouldn't expect anything to come about because, look, the Big 12 right now, in my opinion, at this stage, is it really has to watch itself legally. You could be walking into torturous interference if you talk too much to these to these conferences. Now, I think that what keeps it from being filed or, or alleged right now is the Pac-12 isn't united to begin with. They owe Comcast that's, that's $6 million. That. Is, that a corporate, is that a corporate version of tampering? What is that? Yeah, torturous interference is we've got a contract with these schools and you're talking to them. Uh, think think of uh, uh, college football coaches talking about tampering with their players and recruits. I mean, just think yeah. of it that way. It came about in like 2010 in this latest round of realignment when when uh, the Pac-12 was trying to get six of the Big 12 teams, and that was that was alleged. Number one, I think they have to wait out. Uh, I know they have to wait out whatever the Pac-12 does or doesn't. Up against that, it's an artificial deadline of June 30th where San Diego State's buyout, a potential expansion candidate for the Pac-12 and Big 12, goes from like, I think, 19 million to 34 or 38 million. And their AD uh, has already been quoted as saying, we can't afford that. So that's kind of an artificial deadline. I'd, I'd look for something, again, who knows for sure, for something to happen by the end of the month. And yeah. just, to, just to make sure people understand, I think we both believe this, that the Pac-12 has taken so long to try to negotiate a deal. Yeah. And as, as I recall it, I, I don't cover this nearly as intensely as you do with the, these other leagues as I would the Big Ten, but the Pac-12 cannot negotiate a major network deal, right? ESPN is out. Is that right. the way I remember it? Uh, yeah, the other uh, networks look to be out, and now we're talking about all streaming. Maybe is that right? Yeah, I'm. I'll send. Up, I'll summarize the general, you know, feeling in the industry that unless George Klyavkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, has something 
no one's ever heard of in terms of a deal up his sleeve, then they've got nothing. They don't have a major linear carrier, which, you know, I'm talking about Fox, ESPN, the broadcast, and they don't have less than 50% on streaming. And if they don't have that, then do schools run for the hills because it's a recruiting thing, because it's a visibility thing. We can talk about streaming, but it hasn't hit yet. It, it, it will in the future, but it hasn't hit yet. And after all that, you've got to convince these schools to sign a grant of rights where we know for sure that Colorado has options, Arizona has options, Oregon has options, and Washington has options. So do they even get to that point or do schools start just flat, you know, breaking off? I don't know. It certainly looks like it to me that it's inevitable that the Pac-12 is crumbling. If you cannot construct a media rights rights deal, that means your value is in the toilet. It just isn't good enough. And the the strongest, most valuable pieces will break off. That's economic physics. It's it's not hard to to figure out. So what do you think is the first domino that falls? I I don't, we've got a new Big Ten commissioner now and Tony Petiti a very, very savvy television guy who's only been a television guy. He really has no background in collegiate yeah. athletics at all. He's kind of a different animal that way for the Big Ten. I, I would say Washington and Oregon are the, the two prime pieces maybe for the Big Ten and maybe Stanford. But the Big 12 is clearly interested in Colorado, Arizona, Utah, and now Connecticut and maybe even Gonzaga for basketball only. Is that the way you see it? Uh, yeah. I don't know since this is even since I wrote that story this week. I don't know if Gonzaga is in it as much as UConn because UConn would be a full member. We can make UConn right. football jokes all we want, but they would be a full <laughs> member. And we do. And we do. Uh, but hey, they finally got a coach. Yeah. They do have a real coach. Mora is a very good coach. Oh, he's a, he's a very good coach. Went to a yeah. bowl game. I mean, just pitiful program. But, yeah. you know, we've, we've seen. At least historically, they can be competitive. They went to the Fiesta Bowl that one year. That's not going to happen, you know, ever again, probably. But you know, they they do become a full member, and that allows uh, Brett Yormark, the Big Twelve commissioner. Then, at the very least, I think his play is to add a Colorado, and then uh, convince his presidents to bring in UConn because I'm told UConn has been very receptive. Now, never I'm sure they all of this. Yeah. yeah. You know, we can talk about the travel for 30 minutes, but and then and then, you know, maybe hope that the dominoes fall in the Pac-12. You know, then you get then you can get to 16 and at least you're equal in number with the Big Ten and SEC. And I think it was in my story this week, like the nut graph. I said, maybe this is just all about security, getting your nose under the tent, financial security and getting as many brands as you can in one place, which is what the SEC and Big, Big Ten have done. So when there is some sort of economic or real breakaway, you know, you're in the club. Brett last week said he believes the Big Ten will move. I don't want to misspeak, but I, yeah. I believe he said the, the Big Ten, he believed w- would move sooner than people think, certainly within the next four years. And the, if dominoes start falling, though, man, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be immediate. I mean, someone's going to have to – the way I see it, it's going to be Colorado, Connecticut. And then if, if any pieces leave the Pac-12, it's going to be 
the Titanic. I mean, yeah. and then we're talking about does the Big Ten move on Washington and Oregon and maybe Stanford, correct? Is that how you yeah, say it? Yeah. And, and I think, I think, yeah, I think Brett has it right. Um, I quoted a, a consultant named Patrick Crakes this summer. He spent seven years as a Fox Sports VP, a uh, very powerful guy at one time, now does big time deals. He said to me, uh, in the middle of this, forget, forget expansion in the big 10, forget it. It's not going to happen now in two years, which is what we just said. You know, once Tony Petiti gets his feet on the ground and I'm told, uh, we've already seen reported that Kevin Warren left that place in a mess. So there's a lot to be done. Oh boy. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing compelling the big 10 to go get Oregon and Washington right now. They're still going to be there. They have no other suitors. The Big 12's not interested. Yeah, it's not like the SEC is going to come and get them. Right, right. So, so that they're going to be the, the longer it goes on, the more desperate they will be. The, their right. price will go down. They won't get a uh, equal piece of the pie for God well, they, knows how Yeah, many they years. they won't in two years. They won't in four years. I've said they'd go to the Big Ten right now for a hundred dollars more than they're getting in the Pac-12. I mean, I, yeah. I really believe that because that's a, a lifetime decision. You are set for the history of your school if you go to the Big Ten. Think about what what all that means. So no, I, I think I think it's here's how I think it's going to happen with those two. I think it's going to kind of fall to the Big Ten presidents. In two years, they're going to look at this travel with USC and UCLA, and they're going to be stories and kids. There's going to yes. be problems. Yes. And they go, you know what? The travel partner thing doesn't look that bad. I hate to get in the AAU thing because I think it's worthless. I think that discussion is worthless. But I think one or both are AAU. It really doesn't matter. Both are. Um, and, you, and you grandfather them in at half a share, which by then might be 38, 40 million. That's yeah. a lot more than they're going to We're take. talking about 70 million a year yeah. minimum for Big Ten schools as this deal keeps yeah. progressing, the one they just – that just went into effect for the Big Ten. Yeah. So that's that's right now twice as much as the Pac-12 has been making. Uh, I believe the Big 12 announced 44. Isn't that what your Max said? Per, yeah, per 44. For, so that's 44 million per school all in uh, in their latest 2023 fiscal year, which is which is significant, that number. Pretty good. It's better yeah. than the ACC. It's better than the Pac-12. Yep. Uh, they're positioning themselves to be the survivor conference while we That's don't it. know what can happen to either the ACC or the Pac-12 because yeah. they have significant attractive schools in both of those leagues that offer what a, a term that you taught me pro rata value yeah. meaning at least at the median of whatever your per school uh, payout is they would not diminish it any if that is pro rata value now Washington and Oregon, from a revenue standpoint, seem to me, based on on the equity and athletics figures, other figures, they seem to be right right at the median of, of the Big Ten, right at the median figure in gross revenue. To me, they would be a great place simply because the US, USC and UCLA being on their own, those athletes, every time they get on a yeah. plane for a road game, going to Lafayette, or, and I don't care if it's a charter flight or not, Lafayette and Bloomington, <laughs> Piscataway, four or five, six hour flights yeah. every time they get on a, a plane for a conference game. Are you kidding? That's going to get back to recruits and their own players are going to say, man, you don't want to come here. This is brutal. This is miserable. Unless they get some travel partners out there. And I believe Washington and Oregon yeah. and somebody else will, I think Stanford 
will be the, the, the fifth Pacific school. And you know what? If I think if Delaney was still around, he would be a little more of a visionary in this thing and connect the entire northern tier of the country. Yeah, I he's think, around. He's around. He's, he's consulting. I know he talks, yeah. but yeah. but and and I believe Petiti would listen to him. Where I'm not sure Warren did. And I uh, heard the no. same things. No, <laughs> I can tell I'm, you that. <laughs> I'm, I heard the same things about Warren's tenure that you did. That uh-huh. it, it was just a disaster. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. You know, I don't discard out of hand that at some point when all the dominoes are falling and we, we have two super conferences and then whatever's left over is in the Big, the big 12, if you were the Big Ten presidents, and I know right now they don't they don't offer pro rata value, but to me, Utah and Colorado are of interest simply because they're both very major markets. They're not developed right now. Utah probably is developed, but it's a really growing area. Colorado has forgotten. The, the people in Denver have forgotten about Boulder because yeah. it's become such a pro town. But we both remember when Colorado football was a force 30 years ago. It's yeah. just fallen off, and it's like a garden that hasn't been tended correctly. If they were in the Big Ten, could you see Colorado being a part of this as a spec piece for the for the for the the Big Ten down the line, even if they were back in the Big Twelve? Is that even possible? Yeah, I, that's going down a rabbit hole I haven't considered. But <laughs> yeah, I mean the the uh, you know again the academic profile fits. Yep, U- Utah almost seems like a big. 10 school, they the way they yeah. play and their climate yeah. and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see that. You never say never. I have this, I've said this for years doing the realignment beat, like whatever you write can't be wrong because tomorrow it could be right. You know, it's just <laughs> eventually you, you yeah. can never write a correction in these, you know, it's like, Oh, that could happen. Yeah, sure. I'll give you so. an example. Steve Politi dug up a column I wrote in 1992, about, 1992, mind you, about how Rutgers was a perfect member for the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> See? And, he, and it said, See, you're the first. You are the visionary. And, and that still hasn't really worked out for the Big Ten. I guess I'm to blame. I don't know. But Delaney believed it. Delaney believed that. See, that was a spec bet for him. And it still hasn't really panned out. But that's because Rutgers football has never reachieved the, the heights they did in the, in the mid-aughts. But we saw what they did there in, in 06. That was crazy. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's what Connecticut would be for the Big Ten. It's a growth stock. Uh, that's why it was put to me. Where, for, for a Big 12, you mean? Yeah, for Big 12. And you, you yeah. pay them whatever. Uh, I think the average Big East payout is $3.8 million now in a basketball-only conference. I have no idea what they get as an independent football. It's got to be peanuts. So you give them you give them a share, and maybe watch them grow because his his biggest play in all this is to uh, to have two separate deals: basketball, football, two media rights deals, and they get more in aggregate as a conference than they would if they had one deal with both sports. Now I saw that you wrote that. Do you think any network would ever do that? That they would ever negotiate separate contracts for football and basketball? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, this guy has has so many ideas that 
they are completely in love with him in the Big 12. You're talking you know, about Brett Yarmack, the, the com- yeah. commission. Yeah. Yeah. It, all of it may not happen, obviously. He, he wants to go to Rucker Park next summer and play uh, a series of exhibition games. Well, think about this. If you had, I, I wrote this too, like if you got Gonzaga and UConn, you'd have the nat- last three national, last four national champions, Kansas, Baylor, uh, UConn, um, well, the last three, and then Gonzaga, which has been to 25 Gonzaga straight and tournaments yeah. and two final fours since yeah. 17. And you put that in the middle of Rucker Park. Yeah, yeah, just messing around. Doesn't count. Exhibition game. That'd be appointment viewing on ESPN because they'd lap that up in a minute in the middle of summer. You know, and, you know, you see what they're showing now. That's what you need as a commissioner. You yeah. don't simply need a bean counter. Well, there's lots of those people on staff. You need a promoter. Yeah. You need a visionary and a promoter and a guy that thinks of big ideas that don't necessarily cost that much. Mm-hmm. And the the bad commissioners are, are, are not thinking of ideas. They're reacting and then making decisions that cost money, like Kevin Warren did with uh, giving the title game to NBC out of, out of line, which should never well, have happened. Let, let me ask you something. You can answer dollars. this. I, I saw that story. I saw the consternation and hand-wringing. Those presidents signed that contract. They looked yeah, they at what? that and knew that. The ADs <laughs> knew that, right? Mm-hmm. And if they didn't, this isn't a Kevin Warren story. This is bad, bad vetting. Well, right? but, but look, he doesn't communicate. And that was his main problem. Right. He kind of liked sitting in the throne or something. And he didn't communicate to anybody. It's like he was incapable of it. Yeah. So so that would be a pretty interesting bullet point you would want to explain to people in the contract, say, look, this is what I'm thinking. What do you guys think of that? I mean, how can it happen? How can it happen? I still remember Dave Revson on the Big Ten Network interviewing him about the return to football in 2020 when he reneged on his initial decision. Yes. And he kept you know, the one thing you would want to explain to people is why now? Okay, why you just canceled the season two weeks ago. Why are we going back? What changed? And Dave kept giving them the opportunity to spew whatever he was going to yeah. say. We reconsidered. He, yeah. He just didn't even answer the question. He's, it was like he was incapable of communicating. You can't have a guy like that who's so, whatever the, the opposite of the antonym of nimble is, Right. On his feet. You, you got to have a guy who's a little full of crap and a promoter. And well, I guess that's what Brett Yormark, Yormark is, right? And, and let's be clear. There's a reason he doesn't have his job in the Big Ten anymore. Yes, he left to go to the Bears, <laughs> but he was not going to be renewed in September of 2024 when he started poking around at that prospect. He was told, uh-uh. And I think he went to there as a job at the Broncos. He got the job at the Bears. And and look, that may be his niche. He was at the Vikings when they built a new stadium. And so maybe that's great for them. But he was never going to be the commissioner going forward because he kept pushing this narrative about uh, Oregon and Washington and Cal and Stanford at a time when the presidents were just sick of it and said, let's see what, how 16 works. Because nobody really knows. The SEC doesn't know. The Big Ten doesn't. Know. Never, never been tried before except in the WAC. In, uh, in 1999, I think it lasted one or two years, and it imploded on itself. So let's just see how that work, works first. But he never let go. He kept pushing, 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 and they couldn't stand it. Well, there's also the 
the point that you want to let this play out so you can get them for a a great value. And it will happen. Like like we said, who's going to pounce on Washington, Oregon, and Stanford? Even if they did go to the Big 12, which they're not, you could pick them off after that at, at a low, low price. So I do understand the president's feelings, and they do yeah. want to test drive this for a little while. And I do think that's an eventuality because you you do have to get USC and UCLA some travel partners. But yeah. you don't have to do it now. No. You don't have to do it next year. You can you can wait. So he wasn't listening to his own people. Uh, your your viewpoint on where this is all headed. And it's so hard to predict simply because of what we talked about, that the parameters today will not necessarily be the parameters even next week. And and I'm asking you to predict a couple, four years in the future. What's the most likely scenario for how the conferences are aligned? Because I do have an opinion about that, and I've okay. written it. And I think you have, too. Yeah. Uh, big picture. I, you know, the, the power five is dead, and it's dead right now. Um, yeah. It's a power two. To me, it, uh, d- it died when UCLA and UCA, yeah. USC went to the Big Ten. That was it. They've this got is- the biggest, best brands in, uh, among those 32 teams, period. Now, what does that look like? And how do that – I call it the big flex. When they decide either one or the other or both, when they want something, what does that look like? You know, Do they, do they take the tack that, uh, you know what, 95 scholarships, we can afford it, we're going to do that. And the NCA says, well, not as an NCA member, you know, um, we can have our own playoff. Uh, right? Greg Sankey reiterated that last week at their spring meetings. Um, he, in one sense, he said, you know, oh, you know, I think in 26, when the, the playoff expands, I think it's going to be six and six, six automatic qualifiers, six at large. But we can have our own playoff. He said that in the same sentence. He keeps hammering that home like that's that is the huge stick that he could use. So I think it's it's the big two, the power two, what that's going to look like. I think Greg Sankey provided a hint at the very end, last Friday, of his remarks in Destin. He said, you know what bothers me? That the Board of Governors has uh, this membership where Division I has to be represented, because they do have this rule in the NCAA, you have to have equal representation. In each committee, and the board of governors runs the NCA for those from all the divisions. You mean for all the divisions from yeah, that entire which is crazy NCAA? What he like, said it's, was, it's like having minor league baseball at the yes, table in the major what, leagues. It makes no what he sense. Basically or arena league in the NFL. It doesn't yeah, make any sense. What, what he basically suggested is there has to be a realization that there has to be a separate body that governs whatever this is, and then I th- I think that's the next step. I think that's the next step. When they get in the room and decide how to uh, what the uh, uh, share is going to be for the expanded playoff, because there's never been that much money in the system before, and then everybody's going to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, that's a de facto breakaway, and I've done, that's they're still going to play Akron, they're still going to play Toledo, but it's going to be the latest evolution of what happened in 1978 when Division One and Division One AA was formed, now FCS and FBS in 2015. The Autonomy Five. Sorry, Mike Oresco. That was NCA legislation. They are the Autonomy Five. Um, they were given uh, weighted voting rights, and that's what this is going to be. And then after that, I don't know what it looks like. It's what they want to do with it. What do you? How do you feel about the prospects of the SEC and the Big Ten finally getting together and saying, "Look, we can get maximum value from one big contract with the networks." 
let's merge just like the AFL and NFL did and 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 make this a lot easier on us. We're we're looking at athletes as employees. That is right down the pipe. It's gonna yeah. happen. It's clear it's gonna happen now with the, the latest Pac 12 announcement. Why not create a structure where we can have collective bargaining, have a players union, and put a lid on NIL, put a lid on everything. Because if you have players represented, and I don't know who would represent them, who, Rich Paul, who would get into that? Who would who would be the college players representative? What kind of money would be in it? Marvin for that? Miller. There is, no, there is no Marvin Miller out there. That's one yeah, of my Somebody like that. I think yeah. it would be somebody like Rich Paul, a, a yeah. current agent. Uh, but anyway, you have the players, as long as the players are represented and they have a CBU, a collective bargaining unit, and they agree to a contract, you can put a lid on the, all these costs yep. and all of a sudden you can budget. But that can't happen unless the SEC and the Big Ten get together and agree on a structure, maybe some sort of grand czar. Do you think that's possible in the foreseeable I future? I, in, in one sense, I don't see Greg Sankey taking orders from anybody, but I think something like that will happen when the NCA runs out all these ground balls in Congress, waits for all the the trials to run through because they're not the, all they have to do is lose one of them or settle or something because they're not going to oversee collective bargaining. They're just not. No, Charlie they're going to have nothing to do with that. that. Yeah, and and then the NLRB thing, which is uh, the hearing in November, which may declare players employees. Yeah, I've just kind of forgotten about that. That will if if that doesn't go. Uh, the Pac-12 and NCA's way, then they will appeal that to the highest court. And Brett, Kavanaugh already, Brett Kavanaugh already said they were employees. I right, mean, he right. said it a year ago. So right. there's the, your highest court. So they run out all those ground balls, then one or both with all this money. Why not? Hey, we're going to something. I say simple, simple, like we're going to uh, collective bargaining. Doesn't make them employees. Doesn't necessarily pay them. But it's the first step. You know, hey, we'll uh, let's get around a table and talk about practice times and lengths. That's what they do with grad students. They're in a union in uh, in college campuses. They make what they make, um, and it's and it's not much. But you do something like that, and then it graduates. Doesn't mean anybody else has to follow that model. But that's the next step. And I think they they could wake up one day, Greg Sankey and or Tony Petiti, and say we're going to take this revolutionary step and, and institute collective bargaining and or revenue sharing. I think it's the only way to put a cap on yeah. costs and the wild west that NIL has become. And it allows everyone, all the different athletic directors to budget what they have and they know what's coming because this has got to be driving all of them crazy. It is. Dennis, as the old game show host said, we're out of time. <laughs> we're out of time. And they, they were taping five shows in a day and acting like you were, can you come back tomorrow? Yeah, and yeah. the contestant would always say, sure, but you're not going to come back next week. It's going to be something <laughs> else. Because uh, going, we'll, have some, we'll have another special guest then. Thanks very much for being here. You're always fun to talk to, a good friend, and uh, you do great work, man. Uh, see his stuff on Twitter, Dennis Dodd. What's your, what's your Twitter handle? At uh, Dennis Dodd CBS. Okay. Dennis, you're fabulous. We'll be back next week on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.